People like him need to be behind bars or in the ground. It's that simple. We have some breaking news as uh, Chris and I get together for the first time. It seems like months, really, um, but uh, we do have some breaking news as we welcome you to this 440th episode of Unscripted, and Happy New Year's to all of you. Happy New Year, I should say, to all of you. All of us, especially me, are expecting 2020 to be a hell of a lot better than 2019, let me tell you. Um, the the uh, news is, reported as reported by Adam Schefter this morning, earlier this morning, as we are broadcasting here on Saturday, and I believe it's the 4th of January, 2020, um, the NFL is expected to punish the New England Patriots for admitting improper filming of a Browns and Bengals game. The punishment is to be handed down, according to Schefter, in the next two weeks, because all the reports that they're asking to be filed have not yet made their way to the Park Avenue offices of the NFL so once all of those reports are sent in to the NFL's uh, Taj Mahal on Park Avenue in New York, then they will determine what the punishment will be for Belichick and his boys. It's kind of funny to me, before I get Chris involved here on this 440th episode of our little program, um, why would the New England Patriots need to be illegally filming a game between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. I I don't get that. I know Cincinnati was next on their schedule, but my God, why do the New England Patriots feel they have to cheat? I don't get that. They've got the best coach in the game. They've got a declining but still good Tom Brady at quarterback. Yes, they do have to play a wild card game this weekend for the first time since 2009, which is one of the really unbelievable streaks in professional sports that these guys have had a weekend off for 10 years going into the NFL second season. But I just can't understand why the New England Patriots, A, have to cheat, and B, they're so bad at it that they keep getting caught. I don't understand that. As we welcome the executive producer in to our little program, and Chris obviously is going to have some comments on that, but again, I just don't understand why the New England Patriots feel they have to do this. They're good enough to beat teams without cheating. And they know so much about each other. Why do they need to cheat? And we all saw that little clip that Jay Glazier produced a couple weeks ago on Fox Sports showing it's in the NFL bylaws that you are not supposed to be filming the bench area. So this doofus that's working for the Patriots, as he's sitting here with the camera right on the bench area of the Cincinnati Bengals, oh, I can race that. Well, the damage has already been done. Somebody outside your organization has seen it, and that's why the NFL is going to get punished within the next, or excuse me, the New England Patriots are going to be punished by the NFL within the next two weeks. It's so hard to tell if this uh, was actually a Belichick master plan to go and film and then have an innocent backup plan. It almost seems like you wouldn't do that. But at the same time, professional sports are so competitive. If you can get an edge, there's a lot of guys who are willing to be, shall we say, morally ambiguous. <laughs> and I can see Bill Belichick being one of them. I don't think Bill Belichick is a bad person, but I think he is fairly Machiavellian and he will do whatever it takes to win. And we have what... I, I love how the media is just completely ignoring the fact that we are seeing an aging, declining Tom Brady who hasn't looked the same, even though, yeah, I know his receivers haven't been the best and his O-line isn't magically top five for the first time in his life. I get this, but you know what? Uh, he hasn't looked great. He obviously did not deserve to make the Pro Bowl and didn't, which is good. And at this point, I think it's, uh, you know, Belichick's getting older and I don't know how super into analytics he is. Brady's getting older, and they may have to just really resort to some real 
advanced, shall we say, tactics to remain relevant. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens later today when they face the Tennessee Titans. The New England Patriots have never won a Super Bowl unless they've been first or second seed. They've always needed the bye to do it. So this would be a first if they go through and do it here. I'm not really expecting that. I won't be surprised at all if they lose to Tennessee. Tennessee nope. has been a much better team. In the second half of the season, we all remember that the New England Patriots were undefeated through September and October, but since then, and they've only won four times, as opposed to the Miami Dolphins winning five times, including beating the Patriots. So don't be fooled. There were a lot of teams that were much different in the first two months than the last two months of the season. I really noticed a huge change at the halfway point of the season. And the New England Patriots, I think we might be able to say, not quite yet, but we're getting to the point where we can maybe finally say that the Belichick dynasty is over. Before we get into the main topic of what I wanted to talk to today, I want to I want to uh, comment on a couple of things Chris just said. Um, I don't believe in my heart of hearts that Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Now we know Brady did not make it, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers should be in the Pro Bowl game either. I truly believe in my heart of hearts, and this really hurts me to say, but Zach Prescott um, had better numbers. Drew Brees had better numbers. I have no problem with Drew Brees, but Zach Prescott, a little bit, but I truly do not believe. The AFC seemed to have got it right. Tom Brady doesn't deserve to be in the Pro Bowl game. But I this is, And again, this is very difficult for me to say, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers should be in the Pro Bowl game this year. He doesn't deserve it. The numbers aren't good enough. It becomes a popularity contest, and I believe that there are some younger quarterbacks this year in the National Football League that deserve those, what is it, four spots, two for each team? Now, Rodgers will get out of the Pro Bowl. Rodgers won't play in Orlando. He'll come up with some, oh, mystery, I don't know, mystery meat, something he ate and he got sick and he'll miss the game. But I just, you know, for Aaron Rodgers and for me to say that Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be in the in the uh, Pro Bowl game, I think is really something. Um, I also believe with Chris wholeheartedly that the New England Patriots dynasty may be over. And... I'll take it one step further than Chris did. You could quite, there's a good possibility today, even though I picked the New England Patriots to win because I think the Patriots have a lot of pride and I believe that they cannot end this season potentially with a performance, two bad performances in a row. The Miami game was a joke last week, the way they played. They allowed a team that, remember, was ditching games at the beginning of the season and they beat them how bad down in Miami with Antonio Brown earlier. I'm not getting in, into Antonio Brown. But what I'm going to say is that this could be the last time on Saturday evening that you see Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform. And that would be really weird. I don't think Tom Brady's done. But I think there's a chance that Tom Brady could end up on a quarterback needy team next year. I.e. Denver. Denver's the home of retreads i.e. Peyton Manning. Um, I just think there's a possibility that if we see the end of the Patriots dynasty that we've known it since pretty much 2001 and tonight, I don't think, I think there's a possibility that Tom Brady plays somewhere else in 2020. I have to disagree with you, Mike. I don't think there's any chance that Tom Brady will ever play for another team ever again. He's had the unbelievable good fortune of not just the same team the whole time, but a great team and an all-time great coach. Most guys, they get drafted high and they have a different offensive coordinator. You know, they have five of them in five years and right. it's just crazy what they have to go through. Like Alex Smith was a first overall pick and I think he literally had five different OCs in his first five seasons. And, and then coaching changes and team changes and whatever else he's had to go through. And he was a number one pick. He was an 199th overall like Brady in 2000. So now you've got Brady. And I think he knows, it's, even if he could have gone somewhere 10 years ago and been awesome, which I'm not honestly 100% convinced about, I don't think he can do it now. I just well, and, I, and I think he knows that he'll be exposed if he goes somewhere else. And I think he'll, I think he will stay in, in New England as long as he can. I don't think he wants to retire yet. But if they decide to move on from him, which would be very controversial and be interesting to see the fan response in Boston, I don't think that he will ever, under any circumstances, go anywhere else. That's my opinion. Well, and that's and my opinion was just shared in regard to you would think, especially the relationship supposedly between uh, Mr. Kraft and Tom Brady. Even taking Belichick out of the equation, I truly believe that if they had plans to move forward with Tom Brady past this season, there would be a contract in place. 
I mean, this guy has delivered six Super Bowl championships. They've been in how many? Nine games? Ten games? Ten Super Bowls? I mean, they've lost some, but I mean, you are as... there. There is not another player that is as synonymous with their current franchise more than Tom Brady, synonymous with the New England Patriots. And I would just think that if if Brady was going to continue his career past potentially today, and especially with the New England Patriots, there would be some kind of contractual agreement between both sides. And it really seems funny to me to allow Tom Brady to just go off into the night potentially and shuffle off to, well, not Buffalo. They've got a quarterback, but shuffle off to Denver, shuffle off to Carolina. He'd never go to Carolina, but I I just, you got to think about it because it just seems very strange to me. A relationship that has been as strong as it's been for 20 some years now, almost 20 years. Um, it just seems funny that they don't have a contractual agreement passed this afternoon or early this evening. We'll just see. I appreciate your, obviously, appreciate your, your opinion. Mine is, is that I truly believe that Tom Brady is going to play somewhere next year. I just believe that there is a sliver of hope for somebody out there. And again, who's going to take a chance on a 42-year-old guy even though it's Tom Brady, but think about it this way, 42 years old, have to learn a new system. Look how difficult learning a new system has been for Aaron Rodgers this year. And the Packers are 13-3. and And people are bitching about it. Because the numbers aren't there. We're not scoring at a prolific pace, at a prolific pace like we used to. Who gives a shit? The most, the most important thing, folks, is last year the Packers were 6-9-1. and This year they're 13-3. and My God. Some people are idiots. Um, Welcome back. Happy New Year. All that other good stuff. I wanted to do this, and I've had a couple of weeks to think about it. And so I wanted to talk to Chris about it. And and, um, I want, you know, when you, at at year end, and we did this last year. I listened to last year's episodes. We did this last year. and, and But this was a little different ending to a year this year. Not only was it year end, but it was a decade end. That's a little bit different, obviously. You've got 10 years of stuff to, to make these lists. Um, I decided, and with Chris's approval, um, I just thought it would be something different to do in regard to doing a decade list of some of the biggest events to happen in the 2010s. And I don't want to copycat some morons list. I want this to come from Chris and I's Chris and I's. My God, I just I went back to Hillbillyville or something. God, I can't even speak anymore. I want this to come from Chris and myself. Our our hearts, our minds, whatever is important to us. I am never gonna copycat some guy's list. It's just not in my DNA. So I asked Chris last night at about eleven thirty. I sent him a text. I know he's a he, he's he's a night owl, night howl like some of the people at my house are. Um, I'm not. I was still doing this at 11:30 at night last night. But um, I asked Chris to compile a list of the 10 biggest events in his mind. In and again, not copying off anybody's list. I wanted 10 things that Chris was important to Chris because I compiled a list that was important to me of top 10 sports stories of the past 10 years. What has happened in the 2010s that could make my list? And I'm very excited to see what's on Chris's list. He has no idea. I gave him a a bit of an idea what's on my list. Obviously, there are some things that we will probably uh, both have on our list, but that's the joy of this. And I didn't, I just wanted this to be from our heart of hearts. And so what we've decided to do is that we'll go from 10 down with what's the most important 10 top 10 stories in our minds, from the 2010s. We'll start with the boss. You're number 10, sir, of the biggest events from the wacky and wonderful world of sports in the 2010s. I was going to ask you, Mike, did you have any extras that you didn't fit in the top 10, like honorable mentions One. or anything? What do you got? I think the um, U.S. girls gymnastics team with that idiot Larry Nasser. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't put it 
on my physical copy, but that would have been number 11 for me. Yeah, so the when the 140 of them all won the Arthur Ashe Courage Award? Something like that. The, yeah, 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 yeah. ESPN, and, yeah. Right. And and it, and and Nasser is now in jail for the next 80 years oh, or whatever. Oh, got, oh, I think he got a few hundred years. Well, whatever. But, I mean, he won't, he'll never see yeah, the outside yeah, of his yeah. four-point, his four-by-six uh, penthouse suite at some lockup. But um, I thought that number 11 for me, uh, would have been obviously the Larry Nasser story, the the former okay. Michigan State doctor, and the U.S. Uh, women's gymnastics team's doctor, and and all the weird and stupid shit he was doing, and that would have been number eleven. I see. Me. Okay. Yeah, I thought I'd ask because I have a uh, an honorable mention here, or should I say a dishonorable mention, and that of course is Tiger Woods and the rise and fall of Tiger Woods. Mm. It would mm. be my, I guess, eleven, if you could call it that. The I'll- only the only thing about that is sorry, I don't mean ever interrupt, but I always seem to. I was thinking about that as well, and I have Tiger in a, in a mm-hmm. different number on my list, but his problem started in 2009. I No, but I mean, I'm talking about the entire decade almost perfectly, and yeah, there was a few months in the last decade technically, but the actual rise and fall was primarily... Oh, no, you're absolutely right. I'm not arguing with you, but yeah. the reason I didn't in that vein put Tiger on my list was because, remember, Elon came after him at Thanksgiving of 2009 with the nine iron, and then he drove his Escalade into yeah, something. So, and, so, I, so a month before okay. the 2010. No, I'm, I'm close think, enough. But, but it wasn't even just that. I'm talking about the entire 2010s where he could have won so many titles if he'd been dedicated to golf and not been all these no shenanigans. And for most of the decade, it looked like it was all fall and no rise, except uh, in the bedroom. But it, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know. Some, had to. Some, had to. Yeah, low-hanging fruit. Like, had to. What do you, yeah, exactly. Had to. Had to. Uh, so anyway, but it it all resolved itself right at the end of the oh, decade yeah. here in 2019, uh, yep. well, uh, yep. last year, yep. with uh, winning the Masters. And it was quite the interesting comeback story. Now, I'm, I didn't want to put it in the top 10 because I don't like the whole idea that, you know, some super rich athlete were worth hundreds of millions of dollars or practically a billionaire uh, you know, sleeps with 400 women and then he's the victim and right. he, and then we have to feel sorry for, like, no, like, I'm not going to feel sorry for his decisions that he made, but uh, it's still a pretty interesting story. And it was really neat to see that he could come back and win the Masters at that age. And for me, though, it just, it actually just reinforces what I always said was my biggest problem is that he squandered so much important prime time in his life where he could have won. A lot of times we could have seen what the most, titles a golfer could win actually would look like and now until someone else amazing comes along we're not going to see that and find out what that is and you know here's the funny thing about tiger right now after he had this knee surgery we've all learned about and he's let his body heal a little bit arguably you look at the way he played at the zozo championship in early december where he or late november whatever it was when he won in tokyo to win number 82 and then the way he played at the President's Cup, I I would beg to differ with anybody that he couldn't make a claim right now to being the best player in the world. Wow. And I have a little small bias about Tiger. I think at, you know, I mean, the, and Chris brings up a very, and, and Chris just hasn't brought this up just right now. Chris has been saying that if he hadn't have screwed around the 2010s, he would have been, well surpassed 82 victories. He'd have been over 100. 100. He'd have over 100 victories. He'd he'd have kicked Jack's uh, record right out the window if Tiger is able to play at the the way he's playing now during a a majority of the 2010s. Tiger has well past 18 major championships, and he's got well over 100. He's got well over 100 wins. Um, But I just think right now, you look at the way he played in Tokyo, you look at what he did at the President's Cup, and with Brooks Kepka's injury, and and uh, DJ is not back at 100%. That's that's quite obvious to me that that uh, Johnson is not back to 100%. I think you could throw the claim in there that Tiger could be. He's sixth in the world right now. Potentially, he could be the best golfer in the world. Sure. Okay, but anyway. Number I, 10, let's go. Uh, yeah, I'll go with number 10 here. And uh, this is the only tie on my list is that number 10, I had two basketball stories. I couldn't make a decision on which one should win, so I included them both. And that is 
Uh, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County beats Virginia, which is... I knew you'd go. Yeah, yeah. yeah a, a number, not just the first time a number one has ever lost to a 16, but it was a true number one in right. the entire tournament of 64, Correct. 60, however many. And uh, that was interesting. And then uh, tying with that was a non-US team winning the NBA championship, of course, the Toronto Raptors. And I don't say that because of, oh, raw, raw Canada, because right. as everyone... Who knows me knows I'm not Mr. Canada like that because most of the country is uh, just unrelatable to me and is way out east, really far from here, twice the distance from Vegas. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I, I include it because UMBC, uh, I you will notice a number of things on this list. I will guarantee you, you could make everyone on earth come up with a top 10 list of the 2010 sports stories. Uh, there is not one person on earth who would come up with my exact list. There's no way. No. It's, it's very I unique. I did see that... that Inclusion on some lists, though, in my research oh, last one? night. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, but but my exact list, especially, but even certain entries, you would very rarely find, and certainly the whole thing. But you will see that I really uh, tend to favor things that are statistically improbable, mm -hmm. especially relating to betting, gambling, and that type of stuff. So I like that. And but the reason I include the, uh, and that's obviously why I included the Virginia UMBC one. But the reason I include the non-US one. Um, I like to look at things that are as to where it's going in the future. Like if we look back at this list in 10 years, mm -hmm. what are we going to see? And you'll see that theme in my list a bit too. And I mean, obviously sports is trying to go global. The NFL has this dream of, I don't know, like being in every country or something and having a London team, whatever else. And we don't know what's going to happen. The Blue Jays were the first non-US team to win the, the World Series a long time ago, more than a quarter century ago. But this is the first time basketball's had this. Hockey obviously has a lot. No, There are no NFL teams outside the US yet, but eventually you'd think there will be one and eventually you'd think they'd win the Super we need Bowl. Canada to win an, we need Canada to win a Stanley Cup here pretty soon though, guys. It's been since 1993. Let's go. Yeah, there you go. And well, it's been since 93 since uh, we, Canada won a World Series as well. But um, anyway, so those are my two. The, uh, the Raptors, uh, for the reasons I stated, and uh, 16 beats a true number one. My number 10 happened on April 15th, 2013, and that was the Boston Marathon bombing. Three, di uh, three people died, unfortunately, and hundreds were injured, and uh, that comes in uh, as my number 10. I'm trying to expand my boundaries. I thought, I, I was thinking there, I, I had about nine lists going last night, and I'm trying to expand my boundaries a little bit. A lot of people would think that Mike's list would just be football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Well, I'm trying to expand the list a little bit, and I thought this was, you know, the Boston Marathon has been around for, I don't know, hundreds of years, long time, long time. And uh, this was one that people will always remember. Obviously, the bombing, three die, hundreds are injured, and a couple of little pinhead teenagers that were bored or something, I don't know, but um, those little pinheads make number 10 on my list. Yeah, I thought about that story. And of course, any uh, list of uh, any comprehensive list of everything is going to have that one. It's just tough for me. I know Boston strong and then the Red Sox win the World Series and all that great stuff. But it's such a tragic event. And just I'm, I get so tired of, oh, I can just put a bomb in a pressure cooker. And now I'm, uh, you know, a celebrity. Um, I don't know. It just yeah, that was a really sad story. But yeah, obviously, extremely newsworthy. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. Well, you know, I've always liked to include random other sports. I love to oh, yeah. bring up arm wrestling or something. Well, and, and that's you know. why, again, I'm trying to expand my boundaries mm -hmm. a little bit. Sure. Okay. And in that theme, uh, number nine, we are going to go to the world of horse racing. And my number nine is that we got not one, but two triple crown winners in the 2010s. We had not had any since the 70s. It's weird. If you look back at the history, most of the time, the decade will either have no triple crown right. winners or multiple. Like in just off the top of my head, I um, I think the 40s had a few. I don't think there were any in the 50s or 60s. There were three in the 70s. Secretariat, Aladar, and, and uh, affirmed probably. Affirmed, yeah, right? in right. the 70s, yeah. Yeah, and then um, uh, and then in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, none. And then in the 2010s, we had American Pharaoh in 2015 and Justify in 2018. So uh, just. I, I like to bring up the uh, the random sports, and really the only way that random sports get the real credit like this, like if it's cycling or horse racing, you need a you need uh, you know you know you need a dynasty basically, or you need a guy to win a bunch in a row. You need Lance Armstrong, or you need uh, Triple Crown winners, or you think otherwise they don't get much publicity. So anyway, that was my number nine. Very nice. My number nine. Um, this is how. And I was into this. I have dates for all these. That's how weird I got wow. on this one. 
But anyway, July 31st, 2012, Michael Phelps stands alone as the greatest ever Olympic athlete as he finished his outstanding career with 28 total medals, 23 which I believe were gold. And that's where the greatest swimmer of all time, the Baltimore Bullet, um, July 31st, 2012, he comes back and adds to his unbelievable, impressive display of Olympic medals. And uh, the final number uh, after the 2012 games in London ends up at 28. And that is unbelievable. And I'm still to this day ticked off. Remember that ESPN thing we did a couple of years ago? <laughs> yeah. And Michael Phelps never even made the top 20? Top 20 athletes? Yeah. Ridiculous. That's bullshit. Ridiculous. So I knew that Michael Phelps was making my list. Yeah. And I've actually got him right here at number eight. And uh, yeah, the interesting thing is no other athlete has ever won more than 18 combined medals. They never hit 20. He won 23 gold. Mm -hmm. So he's got more golds than anyone else has medals. It's uh, just an appalling stat. It's unbelievable. And uh, he is the greatest. Boy, it's too bad he couldn't have. You you wonder if he could have stretched it to 2020 and won a few more. Wow. I mean... No one's going to catch that number now. No, I don't... don't, I'm sorry, but I don't find an athlete that's going to be that dedicated. Well, also, I mean, some sports have an advantage. There are more medals in swimming than For some sure other things. Are, so that's an advantage, of course. But, I mean, 23 gold. I mean, Jesus. Like, what, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, Michael Phelps. Um, my number eight, moving right along. And if you are just joining us, we welcome you to this 440th episode of Unscripted, our first kick at the can since uh, we took some time over the Christmas break. And I hope everybody had a healthy and, and safe holidays. Um Starting Monday, I guess. Not me, but um, I'm getting close in here by the end of the month. Um, My number eight happened on June 19th of 2016. LeBron James leads the Cleveland Cavaliers to their first ever NBA title, and it happened to be the city of Cleveland's first title in 52 years since uh, Jim Brown led the Browns to the 1964 NFL title. And I thought, obviously... The whole reason LeBron James goes back to Cleveland, obviously, folks, was to lead that city to a championship. And here's the ironic thing to me. Of all the great Golden State Warriors teams that they played four years in a row, this was the best one. This was the Golden State team in 2016 that went 73-9. and And Golden State was up in this series three games to one. And then James just put on a Superman display and just, it was unbelievable, very improbable. And the and uh, the the Akron the Akron uh, hero leads the city of Cleveland to their first major sports title in 52 years. Congratulations! That's number eight on my list. All right, so number seven, uh, and uh, this so this is a soccer story, and uh, I'm not expanding my borders that. Yeah, I know that's going to be a tough one for you, <laughs> and I still don't enjoy watching it. There's way too much diving, and I can't take it seriously. However, this is I'm only bringing this up for statistical and betting uh, and probability reasons, as I mentioned earlier. So if you remember earlier this year, by, before the Miami Dolphins somehow won five games, yeah. they were, you know, they looked like the worst team in NFL history. They had right. no talent whatsoever. Right. Um, and obviously that wouldn't have changed much if they would have had Josh Rosen still. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously, would just he played like he does at his best and he never had that letdown that he yeah. usually has. So it was unbelievable. So uh, and then, of course, Brian Flores seems like a really good coach, seems like a really neat guy. But my point is, at their worst, I think the best odd you could get uh, on them to win the Super Bowl was about 300 to 1. Okay. 300, maybe 350 at one point. But that's extremely long. But, I mean, when you think about the odds that that team, with Josh Rosen, earlier this year, think about them winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it's 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 almost it almost should be 0%. Like, it's, it's basically nothing. Right. And they got 300 to 1 odds. So if you can imagine that, imagine how much of an underdog you'd have to be to be 5,000 to 1. Yeah. 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 If that Miami Dolphins team is 300 to 1. Are you getting to that soccer team that won a championship? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Leicester City in 2016, they're playing. It's like if you were, it's like if you and I got a team together to play the Yankees and the Astros and all, and we had to beat all of them. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah. No, it's, it's like that basically. And so, and they won. They just, they just won. They just won. And my, uh, you know, my friend who lives not uh, just a couple minutes from here, uh, he's a cop in town here, and he's from Leicester in England. Really? And, yeah, and he, and I think he said he, like he, he almost put some money on them at five thousand. He didn't, but like, can you imagine five thousand to one? How many? 
how many 5,000 to 1 bets have ever cashed in the history of the earth in any sport? That's what I want to know. Well, yeah, exactly. 5,000 to yeah, 1. Exactly. So, anyway, that that's like, I mean, just for anyone who. I thought it was something when I won with the LA Kings at 20 to 1. Yeah. 5,000. And that's 5,000 to 1. I, if you ever win a 5,000 to 1 bet, let me know. Oh, absolutely. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably do it with, without you because I wouldn't know. I, I would need your guidance. Yeah. Um, number seven on my list happened just earlier this year. Well, last year now. And this is where the Tiger thing comes in. April 14th, 2019, Tiger Woods wins his fifth green jacket and 15th major championship overall at the Masters. And um, again, if you're like me or you're like my wife, Judy, who can't stand Tiger Woods, thinks he's the biggest pig in the world, <laughs> and a lot of women do, I get it. But um, they still feel sorry for Elon. Elon got compensated, guys. Don't worry. Um, but I, I think it's it's really because as we were just mentioning when Chris was going through his number ten, just think about the numbers if Tiger hadn't pissed away the twenty tens. Just think about what the numbers would be. He's at eighty two career wins right now. He's at over a hundred wins worldwide. He's at fifteen major championships. And just think. If he could have played competitive golf, even even half even half of the decade, the numbers would have been astronomical, and so that comes in at number seven on my list. Okay, and in terms of expanding horizons, number six, I'm actually going to expand my horizon, uh, horizons to one of your core things, which is baseball. And wow. I, I, I this do, is huge, guys. Yeah, I do have to say at number six, I have to say the Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah, which uh, it was interesting because that entire week was neat because if you would have told people. Even two years before that, uh, never mind longer, if you would have told people, oh, by the way, in 2016, there's going to be in less than, uh, there's going to be in a one-week span where the Cubs will win the World Series and Donald Trump will become president, yeah. people yeah. would have been like, <laughs> you want 5,000 to 1? I probably could have got 20,000 to 1 on that one, right? Yeah. Within a week, that those two things will happen. So, uh, But anyway, the Cubs winning the World Series, I get tired of when teams haven't won forever. I mean you know, the flames can go for the next 10 centuries and I won't mind at all if they never win another Stanley Cup. But most of the time, I don't want a team to just be terrible forever. That's just not even fun. And, uh, you know, and plus the Cubs just have always, like I said earlier on another episode last year, the Cubs have just always seemed like that lovable team and Harry Carey and everything. Now, to you, growing up in Wisconsin, it's like, oh, well, the Cubs are, are a stupid team full of assholes and Harry Carey's just a dumb drunk. But uh, for, you know, most people that are growing up other places, like, oh, the poor Cubbies. And right. and like, oh, Will Ferrell makes fun of this guy. So, have, you, have you seen that yet? Will Ferrell making no, fun of Harry Carey? we got to look that up because you'll laugh. But anyway... Uh, but yeah, the Cubs winning the World Series after a 108-year drought yeah. is unbelievable. And uh, really, it's Chicago. They should have won a long time ago. But anyway, uh, it's still still a huge story that just really did resonate with me. And you me. know, I remember this, and, there, and, and I have that very same thing. November 2nd, 2016 is my number six. So we don't, I don't have to redo it again. But you know, the funny thing, the Cubs at the end there, if you remember, in Game 7, the Cubs almost gave it away. Um, there was this guy that used to play for the Toronto Blue Jays, something Davis, slap hitter. They call him slap Judy hitters or something, but he knocks one out of the park and you're thinking, oh my God, the Cubs are going to lose again. And then all of a sudden they, they, this, this guy comes back and, and, uh, but the Cubs almost pissed it away. But again, the Cubs end their World Series drought after 108 years. That was also, as same as Chris, that was number six on my list. Number five, sir. Oh, that was six on your list as well. Okay. Number six, yeah. Okay. Uh, number five was the real resurgence of dynasties, but in the context of still having a lot of parody in, in some of the sports. Like hockey, I think there's a lot of parody, but we saw the Blackhawks, we saw the Kings yep. have dynasties there. Uh, in baseball, there's still not nearly enough parody, but I mean, with 2019, seeing the Rays and the A's like doing well. And the Brewers. And the Brewers. Uh, and then, uh, but still within that, you started off the decade with the San Francisco Giants winning three World Series in five years. Correct. You had the Golden State Warriors who, uh, unless you're maybe in their division or something, actually were not like an evil empire 
sort of a dynasty. They were kind of a dynasty people sort of enjoyed kind of like uh, the Chicago Bulls back in the day, which maybe for, for you in Wisconsin, maybe the Bulls weren't that uh, friendly. But uh, No, most... because Jordan used to kick our ass all the time. Yeah. So, But I mean, most people, it was cool to like the Bulls. It was cool to like the, the Warriors. It wasn't like the Yankees where it's really polarizing. Right. right? It's right. not like that. So, But uh, I just found that there were so many dynasties in sports, but at the same time, not at the expense of parody most of the time. And I, I like that balance. It's fun where you can have the dynasties, but where it's not just that the same few teams win every year at the same time. So I liked the balance. I know that's kind of a an ambiguous story, but for me, that was important. I like the balance of parody plus dynasties, and I hope uh, both continue. Um, let's see, number five on my list. Oh, this, okay, this one was good. I like this one. I came right from the, my head with this one. February 8th, 2010. The Olympic Games are in Vancouver. The Winter Olympic Games are in Vancouver in 2010. And Canada is the unquestioned leader in hockey. And can you imagine the pressure on that great Canadian hockey team to win in your home country? Um, and that's why it made number five on my list, February 8th, 2010, Sidney Crosby leads the Canadian men's hockey team to Olympic gold in Vancouver. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been if you lose that? They're still talking about it 10 years later in this country. I guarantee it. That to me would be the equivalence of if you put a dream team basketball team together and the games are in Los Angeles. That would be this. That would be the equivalence of me to me, in regard to you put this unbelievable dream team hockey team and the, and the the game winning passes still talked about here in Calgary because it was Jerome Aginla that gave the puck or you know was on the assist on the on the game scoring or whatever the gold medal winning <laughs> game. Jesus Christ! Uh, it's been ten years. I'm getting old. Um, but anyway, regardless, the pressure that would have been on that team. To win gold in this country, I can't imagine the pressure on that team. I, th- I think it was even more than basketball in the States would have been because basketball is not the unquestioned number one sport in the States. Well, no, but I mean, I think that basketball is the one thing. Now, I know people in Canada believe that Dr. James Nath mixed, and I, I do agree with this, that he created basketball. I get it. Where I'm from... We were always told that Jock Dr. James Naismith created basketball when he was at the University of Kansas with the old peach baskets and you'd throw these oversized balls and whatever. I don't care where it starts. I think, though, it's fair to say that basketball is more synonymous with the United States than it is with any other country in the world. And that's why I use the analogy in regard to if you had a Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, the dream team of 92, and that if those games would have been in Los Angeles instead of Barcelona and the United States would not have won, there would have been anarchy. I'm saying that probably, and Chris is right, probably even on a grander scale, because there's only 35 or 40 million people in Canada versus somewhere between four and 500 million in the United States. So Chris is absolutely right. Even if you're not a hockey player in Canada, you still watch Canada keep up with, with, of course you watch Canada, but you watch hockey, you keep up with hockey, you still watch Hockey Night in Canada, even if you're not a hockey player in this country. And so I agree with that, and that's why it made my list as number five. Sure. All right, number four for me was the resurgence of professional wrestling that a lot of people might have missed in a few different ways. Uh, It was three things for me. It was number one was the WWE Fox deal, which has guaranteed the company being profitable for the next six years. And uh, no matter what they do, it's that. And it's just surreal to me as someone who grew up and it's such a niche thing. It's just so surreal for me to watch football every Sunday and have the Fox. Invariably, some guy gives a guy an aggressive slam to the ground or he'll German suplex him on the field or something. And then right away, the announcer is like, oh, that's like something you'd see on SmackDown uh, coming up on Fox later on this weekend. Or what? I mean, like, you know, it's 
it's uh, yeah, it, it's surreal to me to see that. Number two was the formation of AEW All Elite Wrestling to give a viable alternative and a real, com- uh, you know, a real some real competition to Vince. Finally, first time in a while. Although I have lost a little bit of faith in the cons for retaining Doug Marone. Yeah, I'm just. I'm like, and we're going to talk about that later this week too, as we talk about some coaching changes in the NFL. Sure. And then number three to that was if you just want to watch some great professional wrestling, uh, 2019 was unquestionably the greatest year of all time for in-ring action. Action, whether you're watching New Japan, a bunch of new leagues in in uh, England, uh, NXT, the WWE's farm team, uh, it's just been amazing for that. And I haven't been super into wrestling lately, but if you want to be, it has there has never ever ever been a better time to be a professional wrestling fan in terms of in ring action. That is for sure. That's a good one. Um, number four on my list um, as we go through our top 10 of what we feel individually are the 10 biggest events from the wonderful and wacky world of sports to happen in the 2010s. My number four, and this one still hits me hard, and I listened to this episode the other day on one of my walks. And I teared up when we originally did it, and I teared up again the other day when, I know I'm getting old and soft, I get it, it's a medication. But on April 6, 2018, the Humboldt bus crash, um killing 16 people, injuring 13 others, um, just didn't need to have to happen. Um, I know that the truck driver is remorseful. I know that um, he was handed a sentence. Um, I feel bad for him, but if he was paying attention, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. And uh, this infamous intersection has been the scene of a couple of horrific accidents, one happening to a Western Hockey League team back in 2005 or 2008, something like that off the top of my head. But this one really resonates to me because Chris actually got a word out and people were responding and and it's just, and and Chris is actually not, he's from not too far away from this actual scene of the accident. So um, the Humboldt bus crash on April 6th of 2018 um, still resonates with me. Um, I still have an audio copy of a documentary done on ABC in the States, which I thought was really, really done well. Jeremy Schapp did it, and um, I'm surprised that they did so well with it. Um, And it just obviously resonates with me. This was something that didn't have to happen, and the most unbelievable thing to me is that there are 16 people that we will never get to see their story come to a conclusion because, unfortunately, because of some incompetence and not paying attention, um, their story ended way, way too early for these 16 unfortunate people. And obviously it still resonates, still resonates in my mind coming up on the two-year anniversary in April. So that's why this item made number four on my list, sir. Yeah, I had it at number three and uh, it was uh, just a devastating thing to see and that uh, community and I felt really bad when one of the kids was misidentified too. Yes, so, yes. Oh, um, yeah, so there was, uh, and I remember their names too. It was the goalie Parker Tobin was misidentified and they got him and Xavier LaBelle mixed up. So, uh, I don't know. So Xavier LaBelle actually lived. And so he's, he's, uh, I saw a story on him the other day or whatever, but Parker Tobin passed away and, uh, at one point, like his parents thought he had survived and he didn't like it's just just devastating. So um, I still don't feel like we've gotten the perfect answers for what happened with the with the semi driver. Like, yeah. like, I mean, yeah, he was like they said, like he was not distracted by his cell phone. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't high. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't anything. He was just driving along. Um, they said that the only thing I heard at all was there was something in a tarp behind him was kind of flapping and he was trying to fix it or something. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he just blew right through an oversized stop sign with a flashing red light on it. Uh, and so, uh, and, and I, I don't know if maybe I I'd be interested to ask some professionals, semi drivers, is it a thing when you're in the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan, uh, and there's a stop sign, I mean, assuming you could, you know, there it was, his vision was impaired. Like clearly there's like all trees to the left. You can't see what's coming, but if you're in a, like a wide open thing, do guys just kind of blow through stop signs in the middle of nowhere, assuming you could see in every direction for miles? I I would be interested to know. But yeah, just a devastating story. And um, 
I, I, sh- I would love to see the next time that the uh, Humboldt Broncos win the SGHL championship. I think that would be a, an incredible story, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Oh, that one gets me going every time. Um, number three on my list, um, I don't feel sorry for this guy at all, but obviously it's been in the news, and uh, it continues to stay in the news. My number three story uh, happened on August 26th of 2016. Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and makes a statement. And um, is he being banned from the NFL? I don't know. Um, Eric Reed, who was his partner in crime in San Francisco, has found employment with the Carolina Panthers. He also continues to kneel. So I don't think that there is much to talk about in regard to Kaepernick being banned. I think Kaepernick has now been out of the game for so long that he's just not very good anymore. And then to me, now we don't know all the parameters of what happened about a month ago when he was trying to get this workout and the NFL supposedly was trying to help him and they were going to use the Atlanta Falcons practice facility in Flowery Branch, Georgia. And then all of a sudden, a couple hours before it happens, Kaepernick changes the location so i don't know if he's helping his own cause i think he's probably hurting his own cause but at this point with his nike deal and everything else and all the people that want to have him be their beacon for leadership or whatever colin kaepernick will never play football again and i think that's his own decision because if he was as adamant as to getting another shot on the nfl i think he'd be working as hard as he is for others other endeavors or other things that he has on his agenda. But obviously this is a sports story. It's been ongoing now for almost four years and I don't, I don't know, but it made my list because we keep talking about it four years later. I made the conscious decision to not include this story on my list because I think that in the future, people are thinking that in the future, this story is going to be bigger uh, than it actually will be. Everyone seems to be talking about like, oh, people are going to look back in 50 years and yeah. Colin Kaepernick took a knee. I don't think so. No. It's not the 60s. I'm sorry. If, I won't be here in 50 well, years. You it, will. You won't, will. You won't be missing this anyway because it won't be happening. So <laughs> look, I just, I don't, I know that there's been problems with, uh, you know, white cops in the U.S. going after, uh, you know, shooting black uh, kids that maybe shouldn't have been shot. Right. At the same time, there's been guys that uh, I think uh, were unfairly maligned, too. There's been both situations. But, uh, you know, if people look back in 50 years, they're going to be like, what? Like, were black people not allowed to vote in the 2010s or something? Like, I mean, what? And uh, I just I don't think it's going to last like that. People forget, too, in terms of play on the field. Colin Kaepernick, before he ever kneeled, was benched in flavor in favor of Blaine Gabbert. That's right. That's L- right. Let's be honest Great here. Point. Yeah, and that's just many, many years ago at this point already. Colin Kaepernick was the typical until Lamar Jackson uh, magically has seemed to figure it out, but was with a typical athletic quarterback who can't necessarily put it all together. And you could make the case he should have maybe won the Super Bowl uh, before the power outage in New Orleans there, but he should have. Uh, I mean, he did do really well with. Jim Harbaugh, they were a good team. They seemed to work well together. But other than that little run together, Colin Kaepernick didn't really look that good, didn't really look like he knew what he was doing on the field. He was made it well known that he did not study film, did not enjoy studying film, did not take seriously the mental aspect of the game at all. And he didn't deserve to be a great player at all. And frankly, he didn't deserve to win the Super Bowl, and I'm glad he didn't. But anyway, uh, I made the conscious decision to not include Colin Kaepernick. Sounds good to me. Number two for you, sir. Uh, Yes, and uh, I lied earlier. I actually do have a tie on this one. I apologize for that. But my tie on this one was uh, the rise of women in sports and the Vegas Golden Knights being and, you know, rewriting the playbook on what an expansion team can be. So with Vegas, uh, you know, it it sucks for any other expansion team in any sport going forward because even the NHL, because everyone thinks, oh, well, the NHL's rules are just so you know, favored and biased towards new teams. No, they're not. There is nothing about the new rules about the expansion draft that guarantees great first or even second line players. Yes, you can absolutely start with a couple of great goalies and a great third and fourth line. No problem. And you can maybe get some really good draft picks and away you go. But unless you get a really good draft pick and Vegas only got to pick, what, fourth? They didn't didn't even get the first pick. 
Uh, even when you get to fourth, you're not really getting a guy who's guaranteed to play anytime soon, exactly. if ever. It's not the NFL. These guys are 18 years old. And so uh, they have just created this unrealistic expectation. As we speak right now, they're in first place in the, in the Pacific Division in their third year, which is awesome. They're my second favorite team behind the Oilers. And I mean, they, you could, they could have won the Stanley Cup in the first two years in the league. They could have won both of the last two. They didn't win either one. But to make the finals in your first year as an organization, when a year earlier you had no one on your roster or no farm team is unbelievable. And it's just, uh, I don't, we may never see anything like it for the rest of human history. It's unbelievable what they did and all the props in the world to McPhee and Gallant and anyone else involved with that. And that's great. And I, I didn't want these two to really be tied, but I, I had to put them right near the top. And so along with that, I'll just have to say the rise of women specifically in 2013, when Ronda Rousey fought Liz Carmouche, the fact that until 2013, women had never fought in the UFC is mind-blowing to me. Uh, and then just this past year, we had uh, Natty Neidhart from Calgary uh, against Lacey Evans in Saudi Arabia. They had to wear T-shirts and stuff, but they did get to have a match, in which you know the Saudis didn't really want, but WWE really pushed. And WWE did something right for a change and got women to perform uh, in Saudi Arabia, which is amazing. And uh, just, uh, you know, you got Fallon Sherrick with the, uh, with, you know, doing so well with the darts. And uh, a couple of women played baseball professionally in the 2010 somewhere for some team. And, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You've got Becky Hammond with basketball. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the next decade holds for women in sports. Sounds good. Um, I got a lot of nice comments from people about our discussion about that in regard to women in sports. Mm-hmm. Um so it'll be interesting to see. Some people sided with you. Some people sided with me, mm-hmm. the smart ones. Um, <laughs> number two on my list, um, <clears throat> April 25th, 2014, TMZ Sports releases audio clips of then Clippers owner Donald Sterling. And um, that was really um, fortunate for the NBA to get rid of this piece of crap. Um, and it was a beautiful move. And to me, and I think I can speak for Chris here. And if I can't, Chris will certainly chime in. But I think that this would, this, the ruling made on this uh, particular incident solidified me in regard to thinking that Adam Silver is the best commissioner in professional sports right now by having the cojones to ban this son of a bitch for life from the NBA. We've got enough idiots in power positions and CEO positions and whatever other positions in general, everything in in our lives in this day and age. And we don't need a uh, just a singular moron with some really back stupid ideas. And we don't need guys with this kind of ilk uh, running and owning our professional sports teams. And I believe that we were very close in 2014 to a boycott in regard to the Los Angeles Clippers organization in there. At that time, they were in a round two series when this happened against the Golden State Warriors. This was the beginning of the Warriors' great run. And um, I truly believe that the, the Clippers were very, very close to boycotting because of the owner. I would have liked to have seen them do it, though Doc Rivers, give Doc Rivers a lot of credit. Regardless of what you think of him as a coach, what you think of him as a former player, um, it was really something for this to happen. With Donald Donald Sterling having these kind of feelings inside of him, and then he goes and hires an African-American as his basketball coach? I can't imagine some of the jokes at dinner parties that Donald Sterling was having at his house when he was talking about his basketball coach. The NBA, no professional sports league needs idiots like this, but the NBA where 73% of the working force happens to be African-American, cannot have a guy like this owning one of your, what is it, 30 teams in the NBA? I just think Adam Silver did a hell of a job through this whole thing, and I'm very thankful that we don't have to look at Donald Sterling at an NBA arena near you at any time. And unfortunately, Sterling is still alive. But I think this makes my list because of the changes that were made after we found out what a pig Donald Sterling was. Yeah, and not to make uh, it any less serious, but I just would say if you ever want to have a good laugh, uh, watch Bill Burr's comedy about Donald Sterling. Oh, really? It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, here I it did, is. It's I funny. It. I still get a kick out of this. If Donald Sterling 
has these kind of feelings about American, African-American people, what does he must think about Asian people? And then his girlfriend at the yeah. time, with his wife sitting right next in the stands, his wife still gets to go. Sherling's, Shelly Sterling still gets to go to NBA games. She still goes to all Clippers games. But sitting right next to Donald Sterling is his Asian girlfriend, V. Stiviano or whatever the hell her name was. How ironic is that? But I'm just so happy to say. And, you know, the funny thing is, Basketball in L.A. was always just the Lakers. The Clippers were the second ugly stepsister and the second ugly second stepchild. But you know what? Now that they've got Steve Ballmer in there, they've got Kawhi Leonard, they've got Paul George, they're on their way to winning a championship in L.A. And I don't think it happens if Donald Sterling is still the owner. That's just my feeling. Interesting. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love, I, again, I love how this list is just for us. This is correct. what I thought for me, not trying to press anyone else or not trying to be like, this is what you should think. This is just for me, from my point of view, and yours is for you. And it's just not a regurgitation of the biggest sports stories because that's easy and boring. But anyway, for me, there was just no question about what number one was at all, right from when we started. And that, of course, is sports betting and fantasy being legalized, promoted, uh, and being a big deal. Because at the end of the day, sports are arbitrary and they're random things. And if you show them to an alien, they'll look stupid because <laughs> they're just a bunch of random shit going on right but and i know the networks are still way behind on this they're starting to i think make partnerships with you know DraftKings and FanDuel and all these but it's still not a big deal uh to them and they're missing out because it is a big deal and it's just ridiculous that these sports organized these uh networks they all think like oh you know football fans love football and they're just gonna sit there from morning till night and just watch football and that's it no, they're either, I say it all the time, they're either watching their favorite team or they're gambling or they're playing fantasy and that's it, that's it. And you don't need to appeal to the people who are a diehard, say, Green Bay Packers fan because they're going to watch the Packers either way, right. right? So who are you appealing to? And when I said early on that I like to look at, uh, you know, the future and how we're going to look back at this, I really believe if these networks have any sense at all, which maybe they don't, but in 10 years when we look back, it should look ridiculous that all these pregame shows are just a bunch of old ex-jocks sitting around joking and having fun. No, it should be professional gamblers and the best fantasy players Get, because people are watching for information. Guys aren't sitting there to be like, oh, hey, fellas, and watching, and oh, I wish I was joking around with the fellas like these guys. No, they want friggin' information so that they can make their bets and they can win their fantasy league. And a lot of times it's not just winning money or anything for fantasy. Everyone's got a work pool now. I started a keeper league for my friends. Uh, I've got a work pool that I also I also won my work fantasy league this year. By the way, uh, every every league, every fantasy league I put any of my own money into this year, I won. Good for you. Yeah, so it's actually quite profitable to play fantasy this year. Most of the time, the last 15 years, I've just played free leagues. And now, uh, apparently, I'm going to get more into the money side because it, <laughs> it was very profitable for me this year, which was great. But that's where, that's where it's at. And maybe these networks will never learn. But you want professional Vegas Sharps on your pregame show. You want the best fantasy player, not randomly just like, oh, we're just going to make Matthew Berry a fantasy. Like You want guys who can show their unbelievable track record of fantasy. Those are the two things people want to see when they watch a pregame show. We have the legalization of gambling and sports betting, including daily fantasy. Not just season-long fantasy, but the rise of daily fantasy where you can just pick what's going to happen just this weekend. And you can win a million dollars potentially. So anyway, that for me was unquestionably the number one story of the 2010s because it was long 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 overdue and it re just reimagines why people actually do what they do and watch sports and without it sports will eventually die that's a great one um my number one on the list is simply and this is why i i made this our list because i grew up watching big 10 football um i i i know about Ohio State and Michigan and Wisconsin and yada, yada, yada. And then we add Penn State and then we add Nebraska. And then a couple of years later down the line, we bring in Rutgers and Maryland. And, and uh, Rutgers is a joke, but that's for another day. Um, my number one story from the 2010s is football related, obviously. And it happened in November of 2011. And this guy's name was just in the news again last week, a couple of weeks ago anyway. But the Penn State, the Jerry Sandusky scandal, who was convicted of 45 counts of child sexual abuse. He was originally sentenced 
back in November of 2011. He was originally sentenced to 30 to 60 years in prison. And that sentence, he was just resentenced in November of 2019 because he was looking to have an appeal. It's like, are you fucking crazy, dude? There ain't no way. And so the judge who, who sentenced him back in November of 2011 resentenced him to the same sentence in November of 2019. Jerry Sandusky will never see the light of day, and that's the way it should be. People like him need to be behind bars or in the ground. It's that simple. You do that. And I, I truly believe this to my heart of hearts. Two things. I respected Joe Paterno like unbelievable amount as a football coach. I truly believe to my in my heart of hearts to this day that Joe Paterno, A, did not know anything was going on, but I think B, he was being a little bit, you know, I don't see nothing, that kind of stuff, regardless of that. But I think it led to an early death for Paterno. I really do. I believe when you had Penn State, the university, the Penn State University under attack, like it was because of his defensive coordinator, Sandusky, I believe that led to the early, quick death of Coach Joe Paterno. Joe Paterno was a legend. Joe Paterno had, I think he was probably the leader or maybe behind Bobby Bowden, but those two were one and two in all-time career wins. And Paterno had to sacrifice a lot of those wins because of this scandal. That doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, is that I believe Joe Paterno bled Penn State blue and white. And when this organization or this university came under siege because of this perverted uh, defensive coordinator, I think that killed Joe Paterno. I truly believe that. I still continue to be convinced that Joe Paterno was just a simple old man from another era, and he did not understand what was going I on. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I think he was oblivious to what was going on. And again, maybe he didn't want to know everything that was going on, but regardless... He was a legend, and I believe this circumstance, because of the relationship he had with Sandusky, and then obviously the publicity that Sandusky brought onto, the unwanted publicity that Sandusky brought onto the Penn State University and the Penn State football program, I think, I truly believe that Joe Paterno died of a broken heart. I truly believe that. I've had a lot of fun doing this. I'm really appreciative that uh, you decided to play along. It was a different way to do it. I didn't want to copycat some other guy who I didn't appreciate or I didn't acknowledge his list. I just went from my heart, and that's how Chris and I came up with these lists, and that's the best goddamn way we could have done it, and I really appreciated getting the opportunity to do so. We've got a run on this 440th episode of Unscripted. It's good to be back in the saddle again. Um, again, I hope everybody had a safe and happy holiday season. Get back to work on Monday and pay for all those Christmas, all those Christmas presents that were under all of our respective uh, trees. Um, having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.